Ignition sequence start. See, Elijah Wan has David Robinson just bamboozled. Kelly out of the corner for three hitters. Don't ever underestimate the heart of a champion. The Houston Rockets select Yao Ming. McGrady at the buzzer. Yeah! Oh! Thompson steps right, shoots for the win of three, and got it! I know what we need to do. I know exactly what we need to do. Russell Westbrook, James Harden. I know what's at stake. It's going to be scary. Not for us. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. I am your host, Jackson Gatlin, at JT Gatlin on Twitter. Producer with Sports Talks of a 90, the team's official radio flagship here in Houston. Now the Rockets, yeah, they beat the Cavaliers, 116-110. But this was, let's face it, this was an ugly win in every sense of the term. I mean, there is absolutely no reason for James Harden to have to string together a monumental 55-point performance over the course of 41 minutes against the 5 and 18 going into the game 5 and 18 Cleveland Cavaliers. Basically, James Harden had another wonderful James Harden night. His turnovers were a little high, but again, that's something that we have grown accustomed to from him, especially when he handles the ball as much as he does. We'd like him to cut those down a bit, but you live with that for a guy who's going to get you 55 points, who's going to get you 8 assists. Three rebounds, two steals, a couple blocks, 20 of 34 shooting, 10 of 18. He set a franchise or tied a franchise record for three pointers made. So you live with that. You live with James Harden's six turnovers for everything else that he gives you. Russell Westbrook had a decent evening 23 points, seven boards, six assists, four steals. He was in the passing lanes quite a bit. Only two turnovers from Russ. 9 of 20 shooting, which is a little rough because at one point I want to say he was 8 of like 15 or something along those lines. So he missed the last like handful of attempts that he took. And it definitely felt that way because down the stretch, it felt like James Harden was the only Houston Rocket who could hit any shots. Thankfully, P.J. Tucker had the clutch three in the corner with a great call by Craig Ackerman to help kind of ice the game away. But overall, this game, I mean, Cleveland going on a 24-to-zip run against this Houston Rockets squad was just painful to watch because you could see it developing. First, you know, 9-0, 11-0. 14-0, like just watching the streak build up and seeing how nothing was going to change. Mike D'Antoni wasn't going to call a timeout. The streak was just going to keep mounting. And then finally, he calls a timeout. And it it, it just, it, it still continued. I mean, 24 to zip. Championship teams don't let don't let bottom-of-the-barrel lottery teams go on 24-0 runs against them. Like, I'm sorry. And we can sit here and we can say, oh, yeah, it's because you know Eric Gordon's out, or we can say it's because Austin Rivers was missing. No. like There is something fundamentally off about this team. And I don't want to 
compare it to maybe the really abysmal 41 and 41 season because that team really that team had a lot of issues there was you know some clearly broken chemistry between Harden and Dwight and so I don't want to say it's that bad and credit to the Cavs they went on a strong run and any NBA team even the bottom of the barrel lottery teams are those are the best players in the world playing against each other and so if a team gets hot obviously yes they can hit some shots but it wasn't like this team got hot and started hitting everything with contested contested looks and hands and faces and things like that this team was just Cleveland was just playing better than the Rockets and they were playing harder than the Rockets and they were getting open looks because they were running legitimate plays. We'll get into that in a moment by harping on James Harden isolation basketball. But overall, they they put in the work to then go up. I think their their largest lead at that point was like 11 points. So they went up double digits against the Rockets and then the Rockets had to claw their way back into it. And that's just that's not something that you expect from a team that has championship aspirations doesn't really matter how short-staffed you are. It's it's about the effort level in games like this, in games like against the Kings, where this team, just for whatever reason, doesn't feel the urgency until the end of the game. And we saw it because not only did the King or didn't sorry, not the Kings, not only did the Cavaliers go on that 24 to zip run, the Rockets then held the Cavs to just 11 points over the final 8 minutes and 19 seconds of the game. Now, yeah, it's the Cavs, so it's not that impressive of a feat, but if you can do that over the final 8-19 of the game, why not, I don't know, maybe try a little bit harder over the first 40 minutes of the game so that you don't put yourself in this hole that you have to then dig yourself out of, thankfully to the heroics of James Harden and the clutch three-pointer by P.J. Tucker. Like, I'm sorry, there's no reason to not be that aggressive or try that hard out of the gate to then be able to put the game away by, say, the end of the third quarter. Get all the young guys some burn. Get some rest. Because this is a long 82-game season and a grueling postseason if you make it to that point. Well, not if you make it. The Rockets will be in the postseason, but it may not be a grueling postseason. It may be a one-and-done postseason. First-round exit, second-round exit. If the team continues to play like this, that's for sure. But I want to see this team make it all the way. I really do. But there's got to be a change. There's got to be some type of a mentality. And whether this falls on, and I spoke about this after the Kings loss, whether this lackadaisical mentality falls on James Harden as the team leader or whether it falls on Mike D'Antoni as the coach this kind of everything will work itself out no need to stress don't worry relax it's all good these kind this kind of cavalier not to not to make a pun but this kind of cavalier attitude it's it's bothersome because we can chalk it up sure yeah oh it's just you know it's a regular season game we don't have to try that hard no we've learned just last year, how important these losses are early in the season. Because again, just last year, one loss separated you from the four seed, or from the dropped you from the two seed to the four seed. And that dropped you in the Golden State Warriors bracket. 
And again, you can play the what-if butterfly effect scenario all you want. Maybe the Rockets are the two-seed. Maybe they get the Kevin Durantless Warriors in the Western Conference Finals instead of having to deal with him in the Western Conference Semifinals, and maybe they make it to the final. Sure, you can go back and play all these what-if scenarios, all the what-about-isms. But at the end of the day, all that matters is you didn't secure the wins that you needed to secure throughout the regular season, and that's what dropped you to the fourth seed. And we're seeing that a little bit right now. We're see- we saw it with the Spurs game. We saw it with the Kings game. And so this Rockets team needs to be better moving forward about putting away the teams that they need to put away and then also playing competitive basketball against the upper echelon teams of the league, which we've seen them only handle a couple of those teams. We'll keep talking about this game and all of its nuances in just one moment. And we are back in here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, I don't want to be all doom and gloom. This team does have talent. This team has proven, and that's why it's frustrating, this team locked down the Cavaliers 11 points over the final 8 minutes and 19 seconds of the game. That's great. That's amazing basketball. That's great defense. That shows that they were engaged. And then not only that, that they they dug themselves out of the 11-point deficit and then took the lead and then won the game. This team is capable of playing good basketball. We've seen it in stretches. It's whether or not they can do it consistently over 48 minutes. Even Craig and Matt were harping on it during the broadcast that we've seen this Rockets team be dominant for stretches throughout games, but that they just need to string together 48 minutes of it. Or not even 48 minutes. They need to string together 36 minutes of it from the first quarter through the third quarter. Because if you can do that, then you get to rest in the fourth quarter. If you can put up a dominant performance for the first 36 minutes of the game and go into the fourth quarter up 20-something, then let the bench guys get a bunch of burn. Or let the starters play a little bit of the fourth and then you know sit them about halfway through. However you want to handle it, all that matters is that if you come out with the same energy that they played the final 8 minutes and 19 seconds of this game with, if you come out with that energy from the get-go, then you don't find yourself going down 11 points to the Cleveland Cavaliers. You don't find yourself letting the Cavs go on a 24-0 run. And it is really about the energy because it's this team is talented. They've got all the offensive tools that they need. James Harden, as an isolation player, is the best bailout play in all of basketball. And honestly, it's a pretty good starting play as well. It's It's... It's simple. You don't have to draw anything up. You just let James Harden walk the ball up and let him dictate the offense. Now, my one caveat to that is when James does not have it going, it feels like this offense has nowhere else to turn to because Russell Westbrook doesn't exactly have the same bailout mid-range jumper that Chris Paul had. So it's not simply, oh, James is struggling with his shot tonight. Let's just toss the ball to Russ and let him work in the mid-range. No, his mid-range is very questionable. Now, Russ did do a good job last night of taking it to the rack, and so we've seen a lot of that. But still, you look at his final box score, 9 of 20 overall. That's a little mm, questionable. He was 1 of 4 from deep, so really he was 8 of 16 from inside the arc. But I don't 
again, he's not the same bailout player that CP3 was for Harden. And so if Harden doesn't have it going, and if Russ is your second option, I really would like to see this team factor in a little bit more a little bit more dynamic play calling and play structure because right now you've got Harden, who is, yes, the king of isolation, the greatest isolation player to have ever played the game of basketball. But expecting him to have to put up greater than 40 points a night to be able to win basketball games, it's not sustainable. It just isn't. Yes, he's close to averaging 40 for the season, so it seems like it's sustain it seems like it is sustainable. But it's really not. Not over the course of an 82-game season. There will be nights where James Harden simply doesn't have it. Or there will be nights where opposing teams decide to double-team James Harden, and then the role players and Westbrook are forced to step up. The Cavs opted to not double-team James Harden until the fourth quarter, and even then, James was still able to work around a lot of those doubles and still score the basketball, either by rotating the ball and then getting it back near the end of the shot clock or simply just evading the double team altogether. But the rest of the team has to be ready to step up and actually hit some shots. I mean, as a team, they shot 17 of 42 from behind the arc, but 10 of those were James Harden. So I'm looking at it and trying to do the quick math but the rest of the team did not shoot that well. Clark and Clemens were both one of two. Ben McLemore was just two of seven. Westbrook, one of four. PJ, two of five, which is respectable. But House missed all four of his three-point attempts. And really, it's, it's really House and McLemore that struggled because they were a combined two for 11. And then you throw Westbrook in there, and then it turns into three for 15. So we're looking at 20% three-point shooting between three of your largest volume three-point shooters from from last night's game. And that's just not going to cut it. Because if this was a team that wasn't the Cleveland Cavaliers, this probably would have been a blowout the way that this team played. Sorry, a blowout not in favor of the Rockets. Because, again, having to rely on James Harden to drop in 55 points and 10 threes against the Cavs to only walk away with a six-point win, it's painful. It's not, it's not great basketball. And a lot of that comes on the defensive side of the ball. A lot of that comes with the fact that the Rockets are really a poor defensive team at this point. They're sitting right in the middle of the pack of the league defensively, which probably says something about how the bottom half of the league is playing defensively. But watching them give up so many wide-open layups, so many uncontested threes, it allows players to get into rhythm. You give one player that one wide-open look, and then that's all they need, and then they're rolling. Some players. And that's what happened last night. Porter Jr., 24 points off the bench. Really, the Cleveland bench is what killed the Rockets, but they had a balanced scoring attack all across the board. They had six guys in double figures. Whereas the Rockets... Only had three. Final thoughts on this game and more in the final segment here in just one moment. And we are back here for our final segment at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now for this final segment, I do want to circle back around just ever so briefly to talk about the offense. We know that we know, look, we know the issues defensively. 
And the frustrating thing is that this team, when they are locked in and engaged, they can be a good defensive team. It's just about the motivation aspect and getting them locked in and engaged. It doesn't have to be every second of every possession at all times, but it's the defensive lapses where they're just not getting back in transition or the backdoor cuts or the wide-open layups where the perimeter players are just not sticking with their man. They're just funneling guys in and expecting Capella to maybe contest the shot. Then they get a clean dish off to off to the big, and then Capella's out of position. I mean, Capella can't be your one-man defense. He just can't. The guys on the perimeter, Harden, Westbrook, they have to do a better job of keeping their guys in front of them and preventing these easy driving lanes to the basket. Because Look, it feels like when the Rockets are playing offense, it feels like they never get these wide-open driving lanes. It feels like every time somebody on the Rockets drive, they're working for that drive. Even against a team like Cleveland. Feels like they are working every possession on offense, whereas consistently against most teams that the Rockets have played against so far to this point, feels like teams get easy back easy buckets, wow, easy buckets left and right against this team. And that's painful to watch. It really is. Because again, for stretches, this team can be locked in and engaged defensively. And when they're that locked in, this team could easily be a top ten team defensively. But it's about the motivation. It's about wanting to do that on a nightly basis. And Westbrook's words after the Kings game, I have high hopes that Westbrook can be the guy to motivate not only James Harden, but motivate this team to just simply want it more. Because even though Westbrook maybe doesn't provide the vocal leadership or the vocal leadership or the style that Chris Paul did, the floor general aspect that Chris Paul can give you, but the intensity that Westbrook plays with every night, every possession that he's on the basketball court, that does bleed into his teammates. And hopefully as Westbrook continues to become more comfortable in this system, becomes more used to working alongside James Harden and more comfortable as a Houston Rocket, he'll be less afraid of speaking up vocally and being like, guys, we need to do, we need to try harder. You know, there was one play, I want to say it was in the, it was either in the Phoenix game or in the Toronto game where Westbrook was bringing the ball up, up court during what was, what should have been a fast break opportunity. And he was kind of like waving the guys along. He was like, come on, like, I need you guys to run with me. And You know, it's moments like that where you can see Westbrook is finding his voice with this team where he's trying to find his the ways that he can impact this team on a chemistry level and basically say, look, we need to do X, Y, Z to be better. And so hopefully as the season progresses, Westbrook becomes more and more comfortable as a leader for this team and able to, you know, Westbrook's not ever never going to be the best defender on the team, but he tries You know, his defensive fundamentals are questionable at times, but you can't ever question his effort level. And, you know, there are plays maybe where he does, you know, take a little while to get back in transition where he's, you know, not moving at his usual rapid clip. So maybe saying that you can't question his effort level is a little off. But I think that Westbrook cares about winning. I think he comes in with the right mentality. And if you can get that mentality to seep over to the rest of the team, only good things can come from it. P.J. Tucker has the same mentality, but James has this, and James is a winner. 
James is a basketball player. James loves the game of basketball. He's a baller. He is a winner. But sometimes it just feels like the intensity level is not there. It's almost Tracy McGrady-esque with how relaxed James seems on the court at times, which is why it's so great when opposing teams, you know, when they poke the bear, so to speak, and, and, you know, they get James fired up and then he takes over a game or he starts showing his emotions because it is so rare to see that from James that when we do get a brief glimpse into what he's actually feeling versus this, you know, kind of poker face, you can't really tell what emotions are going through him kind of guy, it's great because then you're seeing your superstar invested emotionally in these games rather than just, you know, hanging his head after a drive where the foul didn't get called or he misses a shot or the opposing team makes a shot and he's just scratching his head trying to figure out, you know, where the defensive laps went wrong. But this team needs a culture shift. And maybe Westbrook can be the lightning rod to provide said culture shift as he gets more and more comfortable. But it's got to be something from inside the organization. And it's not its not a personnel change. Look, we, we spoke in the most recent pod with Jake Asman from SB Nation Radio briefly about the Robert Covington rumor as well as the Andre Iguodala rumor that he will be traded before the trade deadline. And again, for Rocco, that, he's, that Minnesota Timberwolves are looking to move him. Those are both great wing options. Those are both great defenders. Rocco's a great 3 and D guy. Iguodala, not so much, but he gives you veteran leadership. He gives you playoff experience. He gives you another you know, serviceable wing defender. But it's not a personnel issue. Personnel, adding another wing defender, doesn't suddenly fix the problem of letting the Cavs go on a 24-to-zip run against you. It doesn't fix the foundational aspect of the fact that this team, for whatever reason, doesn't feel the need to come out and compete hard every night. And that's what it really boils down to. It boils down to this team on an emotional level or on a on an execution level doesn't come out and execute every night. They kind of come out a little lethargic, a little lackadaisical, and they're not playing their best brand of basketball as soon as the game starts. They kind of just go through the motions, so to speak. And that's not the way you win these games. It's just not. And that's not a personnel issue. Having Eric Gordon back doesn't change that. Having Austin Rivers in the lineup doesn't change that. That's just a team mentality as a whole. And so wherever it needs to happen, and maybe it comes down to coaching. Maybe Mike D'Antoni has lost the team a little bit. Whatever it may be. Maybe they're looking at D'Antoni as kind of a, I hate to say it, but a lame duck coach. You know, he's in his final year of the contract, and... Maybe he's lost the locker room a little bit. Now, I'm not a big fan of in of midseason firings, and I'm not I'm not quite out on Mike D'Antoni yet. But for all the issues that we have had with him as a coach, and this has been a recurring theme throughout the Mike D'Antoni era, is just watching these games kind of slip away from you. And we've said it on social media, we've talked about it a lot. Mike D'Antoni has a great first punch. Mike D'Antoni will come out of the gate, and his first punch is phenomenal. But then if that doesn't land, if if the game plan that he comes up with right before tip-off doesn't work, his in-game adjustments are not that great. And right now, the Rockets' the Rockets' one big punch is get wide-open threes and shoot them. But if your role players suddenly forget how to hit shots, 
There's not much past that. It doesn't. They don't have a way to break down the defense and start playing out of the post or get James Harden post up touches and start running, you know, plays outside of the post and things like that. It just boils down to James Harden isolation basketball, and that's not great. Just relying on James Harden's overall greatness to carry you through some of these games, you can do that from time to time. That's what great players do. Sometimes you have to rely on the greatness of great players. But to have to do it as consistently as these Rockets do in order to win games, we saw it last year with the Unguardable Tour. It's not sustainable. It's fun, and it's cool to watch James Harden drop 55 of them things, but it's not winning basketball. And even James has said it. He said, I don't like playing like this, but he'll do it if it's how the team needs to win. And so maybe it comes from Mike D'Antoni. He needs to instill you know, a better offensive scheme that doesn't just involve James Harden dribbling the ball up and isolating for the, from, the, from the get-go in a possession. I've mentioned it before on Twitter, but I think of this version of the Rockets ideally could benefit from running an offense similar to the Kevin Durant Warriors. Look, they'd bring the ball up and they'd run some plays. They'd run, you know, Curry and Thompson off screens and they'd try to get baskets somehow by actually running some plays as they brought the ball up the court. And then if something wasn't there with about 10 to 12 seconds left on the shot clock, they'd just dump the ball in the post to KD and let him isolate for two points. That's a pretty good system to have. But when you go to it first, it makes you one-dimensional, it makes you predictable, and it makes it easier for other teams in the league, the good teams in the league, to game plan around that. And we saw that with Denver. We saw that with the Mavericks. We've seen that with the upper echelon teams who are able to game plan around the fact that if you just take James Harden out of the game, it makes it really hard for the rest of the team unless they have a lights-out shooting extravaganza like they did against the Toronto Raptors. That's why the Raptors didn't win. Even though they doubled the hell out of James Harden, the rest of the Rockets actually stepped up to the plate and played extremely well in that game now if you miss a few threes here and there Toronto is very much back in the game and that's why this double team against James Harden is going to continue because it forces the rest of the Rockets to actually step up to the plate you know James Harden can beat you every team in the league knows that James Harden can beat you but the question is can the rest of the Rockets actually beat you so you take your chances the rest of the league is willing to take their chances and simply put two defenders on James and hope that the rest of the Rockets miss their shots. Because right there, that's the remi- that's that's the recipe for winning. Because James will make his shots. James will have productive games. Even if he doesn't have his three-point shot, he'll drive the ball in. He'll live at the free throw line. James will find a way to make it work regardless. Even against sometimes the double teams, he finds a way to get the ball in. But it's about the rest of the Rockets, and about and it's about whether or not they can step up to the plate and do what they need to do on both sides of the court and if this team is going to succeed down the line. Now for this Thursday morning, December 12th episode, this is where we'll leave things off. As always, thank you for tuning in. If you want more content before our next show, social media is where it's all happening. I'm on there, at JT Gatlin. Of course, our special analyst and correspondent, Ben DuBose, is on there, at Ben DuBose. And the show is on there, at Locked on Rockets. Past that, there's Facebook, which can be found at facebook.com slash lockedonrockets, the website lockedonrockets.com, and of course our email address lockedonrockets at gmail.com. All of these are different ways that you can consume content about your Houston Rockets, ask me questions about the team, make suggestions for the show, place advertising inquiries, and really it's just a way for you to reach out, let me know if there's anything that we can do to improve this experience for you, our listeners. 
Beyond that, if you'd be kind enough to subscribe and rate the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya, wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts, if you could please subscribe and give us a five-star review. That's how you get the benefit of episodes that go straight to your inbox before they show up on the previously mentioned social media outlets, and then we get the benefit of looking attractive to potential advertisers and keeping this business model rolling along as the most regular podcast covering Houston Rockets basketball. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we hope to have you back again very, very soon right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.